welcome to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Join us and get ready to real estate. And here's your host, Jason Mercer. Hello, everyone. It's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. And today we're at TREB's AGM. Uh, and I'm joined today by Mayor Bonnie Crombie from Mississauga. And, and she was great enough to take part in our mayoral panel today, dealing with uh, issues uh, in the region surrounding the city of Toronto. And it's important to point out that the Toronto Real Estate Board represents 55,000 members and, and their respective brokerages that are doing business, both in residential real estate and commercial real estate throughout the GTA and really the Greater Golden Horseshoe. And so I think it's great to get the perspectives from mayors uh, uh, throughout the region today. And, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, you've been in politics for a long time at, at, at different levels of government, so you're well-versed in, in topics around economic development and infrastructure Absolutely. development and, and certainly housing. And I think, you know, if you think about the greater Toronto area, you know, we've been certainly, uh, we certainly benefited from strong population growth over the last couple of, of decades where people are attracted to the region from all around the world to, to take advantage of, you know, a diverse economic base and, and, and everything that we have to offer. And I think Mississauga has been no exception you got a very strong diverse economy but sort of thinking about the future I mean what what are what are sort of the the, the key highlights of your economic development plan moving forward well certainly Mississauga is a city on momentum we experience a lot of investment I spend a lot of my time um, looking for foreign direct investment on in our city and I'll tell you that we have a very compelling prop value proposition because uh, of our strategic location in the GTA we have the six 400 series highway corridors, we have three rail lines, we have great quality of life. Uh, but our secret sauce, uh, our core competence is really our highly trained, highly skilled workforce that um, is of great interest to our, our the, the, the larger employers. In Mississauga, we have 95,000 businesses, 75 are Fortune 500s. 1,400 are multinationals. We're always um, looking to attract new business, uh, whether it's through the supply chain uh, of those existing companies or just attracting new companies. So we've been very, very fortunate. We, we, we focus our efforts into life sciences, aerospace, and we are the largest employment clusters of both of those life sciences. We were known affectionately as Pill Hill, obviously. Right. Aerospace, of course, we have the airport, the sure. largest airport in, in Canada, in fact, with the Toronto Pearson Advancement manufacturing, we're very strong, food, beverage, uh, finance, and clean tech is a good area for us as well. We've experienced a lot of growth. Let me just highlight a couple of the uh, big wins that Mississauga has had, if I may. Sure. Uh, I've got some time. So uh, we've grown our footprint to uh, 700,000 square feet of studios. Wow. Uh, right, film studios. We now have five of them. Uh, we just opened CBS, and White Studio is opening next year, so we're very proud of that. Bombardier has moved from Downsview to right. Mississauga to the airport. That's at bringing about 2,000 people. Um, one of my very first big wins was I stole a uh, Brazilian pharmaceutical company from New Jersey. Wow. They were almost signed on the dotted line they were going to be 10 years tax-free in New Jersey and then they met me at a bio conference <laughs> and I said why haven't you thought about Canada why haven't you thought about Ontario and in fact why not the GTA and I think you should be in Mississauga <laughs> and I said let me give you a compelling argument on why you should be because Overall, over the long term, your taxes will be 17% lower than in the United States. We have the infrastructure, and most importantly, we have the trained, highly skilled talent pool that you need. And so they bought the argument, and 
I won the $56 million investment. So that was a great win. Cognizant, they, were, they wanted to be on the innovation corridor. So the question was, where, are they going to locate in Waterloo or Toronto? But I made that compelling argument that we have the trained workforce right here. We're close to the airport, which was important to them. I won those 600 jobs, and they're growing. GSK is advancing. A lot of our pharmaceutical companies are actually, they, they have to compete internationally from their right. uh, global parent uh, for growth because that, that money could be sure. invested anywhere. So yep. GSK, um, they expanded their operations uh, in Mississauga. It was a $36 million investment to, to produce Volterran. Wow. So that was an internal, but be, because the marketplace is so competitive. Um, and then, you know, when you look at companies like we've all on social media, we've all sure. seen Wayfair, yeah. right? Home decorating, they chose Mississauga uh, as their home base. And when Campbell Soup moved out of Etobicoke, they chose Mississauga as well. So That's you great. see a lot of companies choosing Mississauga. We're a city with a lot of momentum. Sure, and, and uh, you know, I think that, that speaks not only to economic growth, but also speaks to population growth. I mean, if there's all those opportunities, then people are obviously gonna look for a place to live in Mississauga, whether they're renting or owning. And I know housing's right. been top of mind um, yeah. for you and your council as well. And, and uh, you know, you have a, a strategy. I believe it's called making room for for the, the middle. middle that's uh, right. Maybe speak to that a little bit. Uh, I, I will. You know, so we are the only government at any level that has a strategy of building affordable units for middle income earners. And right. you know, these are the people who drive our economy: the nurses, the service workers, the manufacturers, uh, the librarians. That those are the folks that keep our economy running. And of course, you want them to live and work in your community. You don't. Want want to have them be priced out of the market and live in you know, an hour commute and sure. have to struggle with congestion and gridlock to come into the city to work and it takes time away from their families and of course hurts the economy. So we thought, what can we do as a council to incentivize the growth here? We have a 1% uh, vacancy, under 1% vacancy right. rate in Mississauga. So we thought, well, what about those folks earning fifty-five dollars to $100,000, middle class people, right? Um, and we, we, we also realized that 30% of our residents are spending more than 30% of their household income on housing, and that's not sustainable. And we all see, of course, rising debt levels, rising price of real estate, and that's great for folks in the market because they want to cash out with that big <laughs> yeah. premium. But for new families, young families, or seniors who want to downsize, it's really tough sure. to get in the market, especially if you're middle-class income earners. So it's like my kids, where will they go? I want them to be in Mississauga. I don't want them to have to go to you know Milton or Cambridge or beyond Guelph to 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 um, to Ford housing. So we came up with a strategy and it has 40 recommendations and it does require that we work with other levels of government of to create incentives but a lot of it is on demolition control bylaw. If you're going to be a big condo developer and you're going to buy up land along our here Ontario corridor because that's right. where our, LR, our LRT is going to run, right? What are we going to, how are we going to prevent you from converting those to all luxury units and moving out people who are now living in affordable rental property and you're going to build luxury right. suites and those are the folks that need the LRT to get to work so we have a, buy, a demolition control buy on play in place as well as well as a rental housing protection bylaw so that you know if the developer wants to build those condos we were going to require them to build that build back those affordable units right. either in that building or close sure. by so they're still going to be required to do that we want inclusionary zoning so any new development to have a component a certain percentage and you know we don't we we haven't landed on a firm number. We negotiate with the development community is around 10% ish. Right. Um, 
of affordable, whether it's to purchase and the to purchase, you know, that's still in the four to five hundred thousand dollar range, or rentals in the twelve thousand twelve hundred dollar range. Um, we're looking at uh, citywide community improvement plan. We call that a CIP for affordable housing. So it looks at new or surplus land and be dedicated to more affordable housing. Looking at deferring DCs, looking at a, more secondary units and expedited approvals. It's a whole suite of tools and recommendations. Right. Uh, how we can incentivize the development community and work with them on uh, ensuring that there's more affordability uh, in Mississauga. That's great. I mean, it, it sounds like a, a very detailed plan. I think, yeah. uh, um, you know, it, I think there's been a recognition throughout the region and, and certainly at the municipal level, but I think at the provincial level as well is, is that, you know, we need to do something on the supply side of the market. And that's it right. sounds like you have a, a concrete plan to move forward. I think that's great. I guess the final topic, we got a couple minutes left that I want to touch on is that whether we're talking about economic development, whether we're talking about housing development, we also need to, to fund and support this development with uh, with infrastructure. And, and right. I know on the panel today, there's a lot of discussion around you know revenue tools and, and what the plan is for, for, for funding municipal infrastructure over time. Maybe you could speak to that. So, you know, we talked a lot on the panel this morning about revenue tools and efficiencies and how cities are the most efficient levels of government because, of course, we have to have balanced budgets and we can't run deficits. And so we're very nimble and in Mississauga, we, uh, for the past dozen years, we've uh, saved our taxpayers $60 million through programs like Lean, which looks for more cost-effective ways of delivering programs and services. And we're very proud of that. Last year, it was $4 million. We saved previous year five, a couple years ago, three. But every year, there's significant savings to our taxpayers. Um, and so, you know, it's very frustrating to the mayors on the panels that, you know, to build those large aspirational infrastructure projects, like transit or universities, colleges, hospitals, we have to look to other levels of right. government and go cap in hand, hands stretched out and say, please, you know, we don't have the budgets. Our budgets are designed for community centers and libraries and parks and trails and, you know, and uh, firefighting and libraries, but certainly not big capital infrastructure projects that are billions of dollars. And we look to them to do that. And so it is very frustrating for us. We hope there's a, a reevaluation at some point on how municipalities are funded, whether it means more long-term sustainable funding for municipalities, or I floated the idea today, what about a share of the income tax? <laughs> property tax is so regressive. I mean, literally, how much can we tax your property every, each and every year? And that's our sure. basically our only source of revenue other than development charges right. or government transfers. So it was a big source of frustration, and all of us are, are looking to build transit, transportation, and of course, we all need new hospitals. They're quite dated now, and of with the population expansion and growth. We need state-of-the-art uh, hospitals. Populations are aging. Uh, illnesses are more complex, so we require new medical treatments that aren't available in some of our hospitals. We don't right. need equipment necessary. You know, so the, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And um, the other higher orders of government have been pretty good with transit money. So we've received from the federal government through the PTIF program, right. Public Transit Infrastructure Program, about... We received in Mississauga $58 million and we used it towards hybrid buses and trails and cycling paths and infrastructure stuff. Uh, we received uh, 
over $2 billion from the provincial government for our LRT project. We're very happy about that. And then there's the ICIP money going forward, another federal program, and that's allocation-based, which we're very happy. We're just under a billion dollars, about $850 million that we'll be receiving for infrastructure uh, related to transit. So we're very happy. And then there is a communi community and recreation fund as well that's been available. So we're looking to hire, we're always looking to hire orders of government for additional funding for, you know, those uh, big aspirational projects. We'd like to build a marina. Sure. We have the deepest and most natural harbor uh, in Port Credit of right. All the um, of all the lakefront uh, in in Ontario, and we would like to build a public marina, but that costs a lot of money. So we'd have to appeal to the federal or provincial government. And you know, if, as a council, we think, well, what's the trade-off? You know, if you're asking for transit money or hospital money, um, and do you really want to build the marina? And yes, of course, we need it. So, right. and then we see the other the, the other side of that coin is we see that the federal and lately the provincial governments downloading some of the costs to us. And you know we only earn nine cents on the dollar. The federal government takes forty-seven cents. The provincial forty-four. And you know we're very efficient for nine cents on the total tax dollar. Right. I'd say in delivering services. But with the downloading, it will mean increasing of property taxes that we have to charge just to deliver the same programs and services that we have in the past. It Thank you very much today, uh, Mayor Crombie, and we covered a lot of ground uh, in a short period of time. We really appreciate you again taking part in our, our mayoral panel and, and certainly discussing you know a lot of issues that I think will remain top of mind for uh, not only Mississauga residents, but I think GTA residents more broadly. So again, thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Perfect. Follow us on social media and subscribe to Ready to Real Estate on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play to be notified of updates and new episodes. Welcome to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Join us and get ready to real estate, and here's your host, Jason Mercer. Hello everyone, it's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst, and I'm here at TREB's AGM. Uh, we just had a great uh, mayoral panel with, uh, with mayors from uh, municipalities around the greater Toronto area, and, and one of those mayors is, is Mayor Frank Scarbitti from Markham, and thank you very much for joining us today. Glad to be here, Jason. Now, we talked a lot uh, uh, on your panel about uh, you know, issues affecting uh, uh, municipalities surrounding the city of Toronto, uh, GTA municipalities from the perspective of economic development, transportation infrastructure, uh, and of course, housing. And, and you know, housing and real estate in general is obviously top of mind for our members. We're 55,000 strong at TREB, and, and we're dealing across the, the GTA region and, and really the greater Golden Horseshoe. And, and so, you know, from the perspective of you know, a region that, that's, that's growing by you know, hundreds of thousands of people each year, and a lot of that on the back of immigration, people are moving to the region to take advantage of the, the diversity of employment opportunities that we, that we have to offer. Uh, I mean, the first question I wanted to speak to you about uh, uh, through the Markham lens is sort of what's the plan for economic development in, in, in Markham uh, uh, moving forward or, you know, medium long term? So right now, uh, we are Canada's high-tech capital and, and while 
Uh, perhaps other parts of Ontario have done a fantastic job at, at marketing what their communities have, and to their credit, they, they have a basis uh, of, of high tech, there's no doubt about that. But we're the second largest uh, high-tech uh, high uh, hub in uh, the whole country. So the first would be the City of Toronto, second would be Markham and, and York Region. And in Markham specifically, there's over 1,500 uh, high-tech and life sciences companies that provides employment for over 37,000 uh, jobs in, 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 uh, in our area. So it's quite impressive. Uh, names that people would recognize, certainly Canadian headquarters for IBM. We have uh, the IBM Software Lab, which is the second largest uh, lab of its kind in, in, in the country. We have companies like AMD, over 2,000 employees in that facility in Markham that truly has a significant role to play in that uh, company's global presence. And then, of course, uh, GM just opened up their Canadian Technical Centre where they are going to hire over 700 software engineers all working on the future car. Since we don't have to drive them anymore, right. we'll be able to do podcasts, we'll be able to watch movies, we'll do whatever we can do in our cars uh, in the future. So we, we uh, have a very strong basis, uh, I would say, in terms of the, the companies that are there. Uh, what I love about it, uh, the companies themselves talk about an ecosystem. Right. It's, it's one thing to have these individual companies in your community. It's another to establish uh, a network, an ecosystem that actually supports the work of each other's companies. So very pleased to say that we have Venture Lab, which is a regional innovation center. They have helped over 2,000 startup companies. And really, these startups are critical to the future economic prosperity uh, that we hope to enjoy, not just in Markham, but, but in, in Canada. Uh, we have Yspace, which is another innovation hub that was opened up by York University, who plans to establish a permanent campus in Markham, but in advance of that, wanted to have a place where through their professors, through their mentoring, through their network, they could support uh, innovators in, in our community. And then the exciting part uh, is really the future employment area for Markham, which uh, we've dubbed the Markham Innovation Exchange. It's 1,900 acres wow. at the north end of Markham, and for those that drive along the 404, will clearly recognize the area where Honda Canada has their okay. Canadian head office and distribution center. It's really that whole area to the north and to the east. And uh, it's 1,900 acres, 400 of those 1,900 acres, the city of Markham actually purchased in order to see an employment area that's gonna look dramatically different from the industrial parks of the past. Uh, we recognize that the economy has changed. Uh, there's still advanced manufacturing in Markham, right. but the reality is we want uh, an employment area that's going to support young startups, whether that's in IT, whether that's in clean technology, whether that's in digital media and the film industry. We want to create an environment in both the architecture and what's there to support young young talent that uh, we uh, want to attract to our community. I think that makes a lot of sense. And when I'm talking to the media about the housing market and, and, and commercial real estate markets, I mean, one of the things I always point out is, is is that, you know, we really benefit in the greater Toronto area from that virtuous circle where we're creating jobs across a number of different sectors and increasingly very high order sectors, uh, well-paying jobs. And so that attracts more people um, into the region. And, and obviously Markham has benefited uh, from that. Um, 
Um, and, and so as we continue to see, you know, the number of businesses increase, we start to see more startups, we start to see more employment, obviously these people also require a place to live. And ideally they'd be able to live in Markham so they weren't having to travel uh, a long distances to and from work. Um, and, and so thinking about that, maybe both from a housing perspective and a transportation perspective, um, you know, what's sort of top of mind for yourself and, and council and Markham in terms of getting a diversity of housing supply online and also moving people and goods to and from? It's a great, it's a great point. And I think one of the, the strengths that we have, and uh, uh, by the way, I, I heard uh, someone else lay claim to this uh, today, but uh, I would just say we're very fortunate in Markham that we are the most diverse city in all of Canada. That's not something we make up, that's something that we get from Stats Canada. Right. And we've been lucky in that the people that have come to Markham uh, are highly educated and highly skilled. And in the last census, 78% uh, of the people, it's an oxymoron, but 78% of the people identify themselves as visible minorities. Right. Uh, that being said, uh, they've come here highly skilled, highly educated. It's the talent pool that uh, IT companies are, are looking for. So with the growth and, and everything that's happened, I would say that a number of years ago, uh, Markham actually did quite a bit to provide affordable housing in that we, we upped our densities right across uh, the new areas in Markham. So people that would, again, recognize these communities in the East End, the Cornell Community Center, yep. uh, around the hospital in the Cornell Community Center, that whole community, higher density than in the subdivisions sure. that were built in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. Greensboro, Bursey, Cathedral Town, where the cathedral is that major focus. Back when we were approving those plans, we did those at higher density, really truly to try and provide more affordable housing. And that worked actually for many years. Yeah. People were able to buy a townhouse versus um, a single family detached home, which provided a, a particular product right. in the marketplace. Who ever imagined, who would ever imagine that a townhouse would reach um, over a million dollars in the city of Markham? And so now this, this housing crunch, it's a crisis. When you have professional people who make a decent salary who cannot afford to buy their first 500 square foot home, right. 500 square feet, because it's been priced to a point where they can't afford it, it's a crisis. We have almost one in five people today who are spending more than 50% of their income on housing. And actually, if you take a look at people that are making $65,000 or less, that actually jumps up to, to 30%. Right. So in, in trying to come to grips with this crisis, we are seeing federal government to undertake some things, provincial government as well. I think the fact that uh, they've exempted uh, secondary suites, for example, from development charges will bring some smaller, more affordable units, uh, hopefully, into the marketplace. But the reality, Jason, is that, that all three levels of government have to work with industry right. and with NGOs to try and get more affordable housing in the marketplace. And so over the past few months, we've been meeting with stakeholders, builders, developers, some of the um, nonprofits that have provided in partnership with the city or others uh, affordable housing units in the past to try and look at what we can do combined with what's happening at the other levels of government. So I see a bit of hope in inclusionary zoning right. that when new developments come forward, uh, you know, there'll have to be a certain percentage of affordable units. Right. There's a balance to that because if you pick too high a percentage, 
then again, it drives up the cost for the other right. marketplace uh, units. Right. So there's a balance to- That unintended uh, consequence. Uh, exactly, yeah. right. So we're gonna have to be, be careful with that one. Um, and, and certainly uh, some of the things that we've done in the past where uh, we've relieved uh, some affordable housing projects of their obligation for, for development charges, for parkland, right. or deferring some of those costs to a later time. And that will all culminate. Our efforts over the past few months will culminate with a with a uh, affordable housing summit in the new year. And I'm hoping that what comes out of that will be a strategy that will, will at least provide more opportunities for young people to either rent their first home affordable yeah. uh, at an affordable cost or, or buy their first home within Markham. We need to keep that talent close to where the work is. I, I think that's true and, I, and, and you know, I, I've been really happy to see that you know, over the last couple of years as, as uh, you know, the, the supply issue has really come to the fore and especially the, the, the affordable supply issue that you know, we're seeing municipalities like yours really work towards a plan and I think you know, your point around collaboration is important because you can't just get that done at the municipal level of government and it brings me to kind of the last thing I want to, to talk to you about today and, and, and that's about you know funding. Uh, because you know, if, if you're attracting businesses, you're attracting people to live, they need a place to live, whether renting or owning, there's also the infrastructure that underlies that. I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, trying to get the subway up to uh, uh, Highway 7 and, and how do you pay for that. And, and you're talking a little bit today about you know, not wanting to go down the road of something like a land transfer tax, but at the same time, you need to you know, get some support from other levels of government. So maybe speak to that. Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, I think it's important right across the GTA to, to build a rapid transit system. We have urban growth centers like Langstaff between Young and Bayview, south of Highway 7. Uh, we've, we've approved a plan there that will accommodate 35,000 uh, residents and 15,000 jobs. Further east, uh, right southeast of our, our city hall, uh, you have Markham Center between Warden and Kennedy, south of 7 to the 407. Right now, the plan calls for 40,000 residents and 40,000 jobs, right. and we think that that's probably going to increase over time. This notion of being able to live and work and walk to work, it's a wonderful notion. The reality is there's all different types of needs that families have. Right. You know, sometimes uh, a couple will, will, you know, one partner will be working at one end of the GTA while the other works in the other end right. of the GTA. So we need a rapid transit system throughout the whole of the GTA. And I think it's encouraging that we're seeing uh, both the provincial and federal governments come to the table with dollars. When you take a look at the regeneration that's happened in many American cities, uh, and not just the downtown core of those cities, but the metropolitan area of those cities, it's because the federal and state government has injected billions of dollars for those mass transportation and transit projects right. to happen. So in the last provincial election yep. and in this last federal election, I, I urged all, all the party leaders to sign a shovel committing uh, to the Young Subway Extension. It's the most justified uh, rapid transit uh, project in the GTA in recent history because of the ridership. We have over 2,500 buses jam-packed with commuters <laughs> every day yeah. going down Young Street. So it's justified in that and uh, thank goodness uh, Premier Ford was one of the leaders uh, when he was running that signed the shovel. He's committed to the Young Subway in the provincial plan that was announced and in this recent election both Andrew Scheer and uh, Justin Trudeau uh, signed uh, the shovel as well. 
And, and the shovel was really not to say that this we need this support 10 years from now. Right. We need to put shovels in the ground. We need to start this uh, particular project in this term of office. So I'm hoping, even with a minority government, we yeah. have the Prime Minister who's committed to it. We have Andrew Scheer, leader of the opposition, who's committed to it, that they will see their way to investing these dollars for the Young Subway. And by the way, other transit projects right. that we need. 905. When you take a look at the growth plans for the GTA, the bulk of the growth over the next 20 years is happening in the 905, and investment from both the federal and provincial government needs to begin to reflect the amount of growth that's happening right. there in order to support it. And you're certainly speaking to the converter of the Toronto Real Estate Board. I mean, each year we do our, our, our outlook and, and, uh, and, and overview report that covers off the, uh, the region. And, and we're always looking at those three pillars, of course, housing, uh, but on top of that, economic development and, and transportation infrastructure. So I want to thank you for taking part both in our panel today as well as this podcast. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank well, you very well, much. Thanks to Treb, but also thank you to all of your uh, members because collectively, they're out there in the trenches every day letting people know about some of the new communities and projects that we have. And at the end of the day, uh, Markham, I think, ends up being a very desirable community, not only for those, by the way, who are buying their homes, in the waiting list for affordable housing, 11,000 people have earmarked that they want to move to Markham. So it's, uh, it's a great community, and I thank your members for the work that they do. Thank you, sir. Follow us on social media and subscribe to Ready to Real Estate on SoundCloud, iTunes and Google Play to be notified of updates and new episodes.